May the peace of Christ be with you. This is Molly Vetter, Senior Pastor of the Westwood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Welcome to our Sanctuary Gathering podcast. Here we share the sermon preached on Sunday as a part of our Sanctuary Gathering. We hope that in these words you will be drawn closer to God and made more ready to love your neighbor. As a congregation, we embrace the words of the Hebrew prophet that are etched into the stairs that lead to our building, the calling to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We also believe that we're a richer congregation for the diversity of people who participate in our community, and we celebrate the diversity of age, race, gender identity, and sexual orientation that participate in our church. You are welcome in this place, and we hope you will participate. We invite you to do your own theology, to wrestle with questions of faith as we seek out what it means to be faithful Christians today. You're welcome to join us not only by listening in to this podcast, but we also invite you to join in our congregational life. Every Sunday, you're welcome to join us for worship at 9.30 a.m. You can join us in our beautiful sanctuary in Los Angeles at the corner of Warner and Wilshire or online via our church Facebook page. All are welcome in our midst, and we thank you for being a part of our church. May these moments be a blessing to you today. Today's reading from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9, the prophet tells of God's affirmation of his servant Israel. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice, or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. It's that story of Jesus' baptism. Before I read it, I want to offer apology. I misread the top window. The one with the yellow halo is surely John, and Jesus next to him with the red halo. As an art history major, I want to make sure to maintain a little bit of credibility here. My apologies. invite you to look 
at any of these beautiful images that Pastor Diana showed us or to close your eyes and picture the scene as it must have originally taken place there in the wilderness of Galilee as you listen for the word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, because we were a combined worship service with our loft and sanctuary congregations, I asked you to talk to each other, but I really kind of enjoyed it. So I have another question for you this morning to get us uh, into our conversation about baptism, and that is to think about water and a time when water has been a gift or blessing to you, when you've delighted in water. I don't know what it is. Hot shower when you were really cold after skiing, a warm bath at the end of a long day, an immersion in a cool river in a hot summer day. Uh, think of a time when water has been a blessing to you. Where were you? Who were you with? What did it feel like? How was it a blessing? I invite you to tell that to someone who's near you. You get double bonus points if you connect with someone you don't know well and learn their name too. Uh, but I'll give you a minute and a half. At 45 seconds, I'll say switch, which means if you're in a pair and you've been talking, you should start listening. Ready, set, go. Thank you for taking time to talk and share, to call to mind our experiences of water. I think it will be helpful as we contemplate baptism and Jesus' baptism to be immersed, if you'll borrow the two-on-the-nose language, to be immersed in our own experience and understanding of water. Will you pray with me? Oh, Holy Spirit, may my words and our thoughts and our lives reflect the fullness and beauty of your grace. We pray in your holy name. Amen. As you talked and listened just now about experiences in water, I hope it called into your mind the gift that is water, a place of play, a life-giving, cleansing, joyous part of creation an aspect of human life that sometimes uh, helps us know in a tangible, physical way, in, in, in a way that words can't ever quite convey what it means to be held, to float, to be surrounded by, held in, filled with. As we remember Jesus' baptism on this Sunday, the second Sunday after Christmas, we remember and give thanks for this moment as a beginning of Jesus' ministry. But before we make sense of it in a theoretical way, I want to begin from this very practical experience of water, what it marks and offers in our lives and our world. And certainly over this last week, I suspect that all of us had dramatic experiences of water. In the parsonage where I live, Water came through the roof, <laughs> dripped onto the floor in one of our bedrooms. 
We experienced significant rain that changed our daily rhythms, but also meant a devastating effect on the vulnerable in our community. This morning's Los Angeles Times front page uh, bears an article about the effect of storms like these ones we've been experiencing and will experience on our unhoused neighbors. It focuses on a community of people living on an island in the river in Sacramento and what these rising river waters have meant for them. These overlapping traumas of dramatic storms and homelessness colliding in a way that's devastating. Certainly, water has been a source of tremendous destruction as well as creation. It poses danger. It can overwhelm. This last week, I had the gift of being on a wilderness adventure with some of my extended family, with my brothers and sisters-in-law and nieces and nephews. We journeyed across the Mojave wilderness and often we're driving through riverbeds, through washes, paying close attention to the movement of the clouds in the sky, thinking about the effect of rain on the landscape. As Jesus met John in the Jordan River, he wasn't in the refined and safe environment of a sanctuary, in the waters of our stone baptismal font, say, or the glass bowl we often use here on the chancel when we baptize young people. Jesus met John out in the wilderness, in a desert river, there in the unsanitized, in the wild, in the untamed space. Jesus experiences baptism. This immersion into water echoes rituals that belonged in the Jewish community that Jesus and John were a part of, ritual baths and cleansing that marked initiation or a new beginning. It draws on traditions in many cultures of this kind of ritual beginning. Our literature is full of these symbolic moments of going into the water and coming out a changed person. They build from our understanding of baptism in our scripture, but it's much deeper and wider. Again, if you'll pardon. It seems like all our language is a little bit punny on watery metaphors. But this tradition is deep and wide. There's something deeply human about the experience of going into the water and coming out. It's a literal cleansing away, but also a kind of rebirth being remade in a new way. And we in the Christian community continue to practice the sacrament of baptism, it is the one sacrament that I think all Christians across our ecumenical community continue to practice. It's one of the things that holds us together across all the diversity of the Christian church. Our two sacraments in the United Methodist Church, communion and baptism, are widely practiced, but baptism is the one that holds us all together as followers of Christ, as members of Christ's body. There is great 
difference in terms of practice and interpretation. We Methodists only need a sprinkle and practice baptism even for infants unable to answer for themselves. We celebrate baptism as a marker of a grace already conveyed, of an initiation into belonging in the human, the Christ-filled community that is the body of Christ, this broad belonging in a community that helps us know that we're more than our individual selves or even our families or our congregations or denominations. We belong in the whole of the body of Christ. But baptism is an invitation then also to belong, to belong and take our place, to claim our true identity as ones who are unequivocally a part of this family that is Christ's body. Baptism gives us this belonging. And as we retell the story of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, these signs of blessing and affirmation that are experienced in Jesus' baptism, we hear them also applying to us. So when the heavens open and that dove descends, when a voice of God speaks aloud, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased, we hear God's delight and pleasure in us. We hear our own belovedness. So many of these phrases and ideas that are described in Jesus' baptism in the Gospels are borrowed from deeper in the Christian and Jewish tradition. The reading from Isaiah today contained many of these same ideas about God's delight, about God's choosing. Not an individual, but the whole of the family of God. God's pleasure and delight in God's people. The book of Isaiah, though, I want to remind you, was not written for people whose lives were all going well. That's an understatement. The book of Isaiah is a message from the prophet that was written to a people who were in exile from their homeland. The story of the people of Israel is one of river crossings and water markings. Remember Noah's flood and the rainbow in the sky that promised such destruction would not come again? We think of Moses and the liberation of the people across the Red Sea. We think of a generation later crossing the Jordan River into the promised land. But after famine came, the people of Israel sought refuge in Egypt. And I've got this all in the wrong order, haven't I? Uh, The people of Israel um, continued to be in exile and in place. It was after they had inhabited the promised land for many generations that the Babylonian exile displaced them again. And it's in this season that Isaiah writes to the people offers to the people a message from God of promise and assurance of liberation and justice. This message that we read today from the book of Isaiah then comes to a people who have been displaced, a people who are not in the land that they were promised, a people who are far from the dream that compels them, the promise that gives them their identity. It's in this moment that the prophet speaks these words of assurance and promise of restoration and liberation and righteousness. 
When we read them today, then we read them as balm to a people who know that we are yet still far off from the promises that God offers to us, the assurance of justice and righteousness, the promise of liberation is not yet fulfilled. This morning, flipping through the online version of the Los Angeles Times, I saw not only that headline story on the front page about the impact of these storms on homeless people in Sacramento, but other stories of the death of an LGBTQ activist in Kenya, of the execution of activists in Iran, of ongoing injustice and oppression that is a part of the fabric of our world. We don't have to look very far to know and remember that there is work yet to do, that we are yet some distance off from the promise that God sets before us. But it's exactly in this moment that the promise of baptism makes the most sense. It's in this moment of not yet that the assurance of God's claim on us, our status as beloved, as children of God who bring God pleasure, matters the most because it helps us hold tight in this meantime, in this season of not yet, we claim that we still belong, that we're a part of something that means something, that comes with the assurance of blessing and justice and deliberation. And so in this season, we celebrate and remember Christ's baptism. We celebrate and remember that very specific moment in the life of Jesus and John, who were born in a particular time under the thumb of the oppression of the Romans. They were out in the wilderness in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized and a moment of blessing took place. It's a story that is very specific and particular. The incarnation is a specific declaration of God's love. The incarnation comes in a particular time and place in a human body like our own. But it becomes a sign of something that is expansive and uncontainable and universal. These dynamics between the specific and particular and the expansive and uncontainable are at the heart of what it means to claim the gift of baptism because we believe that we are infinitely beloved by God and that we exactly as we are are known and blessed and received, that we belong. But we also then find ourselves connected to something that is so much larger than ourselves that cannot be isolated or contained, that does not exist alone as the individual. The dynamic between the words of the prophet Isaiah and these messages from the gospel about Jesus' baptism remind us in the familiarity of phrases that link the two that it's a message specific to Jesus and his incarnation, but that belongs to the whole, not only of the community of the people of Israel, but in the words of the prophet Isaiah, that it expands outward from there to all the nations, to the coastlands and beyond. The message of liberation and life is meant not just for the in crowd, but for the whole of creation. This dynamic between the very local and the universal is critical and helpful to our understanding of our ecological responsibility in this moment of the world. I've been moved by the writing and teaching of a 
Ched Myers and others who work with him in a volume he published called Watershed Discipleship. Uh, Ched Myers, in conversation with and alongside indigenous voices and wisdom, invites us to rethink our boundaries of communities and use our watershed as the boundary that we focus on for describing the communities we belong to. Watershed is the geography that's defined by its sharing in a common set of rivers and streams. It shares a common water. It's all of the land that drains to the same river and place to the sea. The watershed then connects us in a real and physical way as the people who depend not only on the same land, but on the same water, the same uh, water that is the source of our lives. We've long shared aphorisms about the importance of watching the downstream effect of our actions now. Watershed discipleship invites us to think on those who are downstream and upstream from us, those who share this same bounded belonging in community. One of the things I love about this idea of using our watershed as the definition of our community is that water, much more than land, reminds us that our watershed is also not isolated from our neighbors because the waters run to the sea and are shared. They evaporate in rain and fall on the land. So the boundary of our watershed is not a rigid isolation from the neighbors anywhere else but we remember that our water connects us even beyond. But by focusing on this geography defined by water, we overcome the established political boundaries that might keep us separate, the imposed edges and barriers that we humans have devised to define who's us and who's them. In our watershed, it's simply the fact of us sharing the same source of water. Uh, Ched Myers in Watershed Discipleship invites us to let our thinking about our watershed, this very specific and particular, change the ways we behave in a way that makes an impact on what is expansive beyond us. To let our specific actions in the place where we're located um, connect us in a community of care far beyond ourselves. And he invites us to let it rework our own understanding of baptism. He, he invites us, challenges us to rethink our practice of baptism in Christian communities. He encourages us to rewild it a little bit. He, he advocates for rebaptism. I'm not willing to go there as a Methodist today but I do think there's something powerful about remembering that the waters we use for baptism are the same waters that we're connected to in all the world around us. There's not some kind of special exempt water, a holy water that's apart from the rest of our water system that we use for the practice of baptism. Instead, it's the same stuff. He advocates for taking baptism back out into our rivers and streams, which in places like Los Angeles, here in the Biona Creek watershed that we inhabit, forces us to recognize the condition of the waterways that surround us, our discomfort at being immersed in the water that belongs here in our watershed community could be a sobering wake-up call. 
to care not only about the quality of the water in our baptismal font, but also about the quality of the water that we share. Our re-sanctifying the spaces that have often been cut out and set apart from our tidy, holy places um, is, becomes an act of resistance and belonging, a claim of our being together. Uh, Ched Myers writes, being initiated into the sacred. He describes how John is baptized in the Jordan and then afterwards sent into the wilderness. Being initiated into the sacred wild spaces of a land, then groaning under Roman imperialism, prepared Jesus for his campaign to liberate and heal his people and place. We give thanks for a liberation and blessing that's meant not for us as individuals or even us as human community, but for us who are a part of this place, a part of the system of the earth. So on this Sunday, as we contemplate the gift that is baptism, our shared sacrament of belonging and welcome, a gift of water that buoys us up, that surrounds us with reminders of grace, that fills us with what we need to sustain life, that cleanses us and sets us free. We celebrate that we are specifically known and loved, that we certainly belong, and that we have a place in an expansive love. And our, my prayer is that, that the specificity of that love for us would challenge us as we come to understand that God so specifically loves also our neighbors and strangers and our enemies, and as we come to understand how it connects us to one another in a grace that expands beyond our ability to comprehend or imagine or control. May you be held by the amazing grace of our God who brings liberation and life for you and for all creation. May it be so. Amen.